This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Brendan Sinone, and upon hearing that there was a basketball-only pod, I decided to run over it and smush it and step all over it with an emergency podcast. How's that feel, Christopher? You do you. I was hoping he'd be more bothered. Josh, you're the brainchild behind it. Does that, that bother you that I'm undercutting it with this semi-emergency podcast? I think Chris is on the verge of opting out. Who is it? You get an opt-out, and you get an opt-out, and you get an opt-out. So we're having this podcast. It was scheduled for Thursday. We're recording it here on Wednesday afternoon because I just couldn't delay talking about all the news that's happened the last few days since our last football-specific normal podcast schedule. So we're pushing this up. We're talking about it. I I do recommend, though, you guys listen to the the Hoop-specific podcast. The feedback on that's been really good so far. Josh and Chris are going to try to crank those out a couple times a month, depending on what's happening in the basketball season. Be more regular with that. And also, uh, while we are talking about some bad news and being tough to be a Florida State fan these days, I do want to say on the back end of this podcast, I had an interview with Brian Allen, the head coach at Lake City Columbia High School. That's where Shaheen Brown plays. Uh, B.A. was a, a standout football player here back in the late 90s. He's coached some great ones, too, at Lake City, Columbia. Timmy Jernigan, Trey Marshall among them, and Shaheem Brown is someone he speaks very highly of. So that's going to be a fun interview. That's going to be on the back end of the podcast. Uh, before we get into all the news that's happened in the last couple of days here and try to put some perspective on it, I do want to give a shout-out. Market Square Liquors, two ads one day. Can't beat that, fellas. Can't beat that. They, uh, they have... Their bottle engraving coming up tomorrow on Thursday. That's December 3rd. Yes, it's December already. If you have a cool bottle of liquor that you want to get engraved, have a special message on it for yourself or uh, have a present that you want to give to someone, you'll use that as a gift. It's a cool opportunity to do so. Uh, later in the month, they're going to have a champagne t- tasting. Uh, they have some really cool gift sets already in, like uh, like they have a Kahlua and Bailey's one that I've seen. They have some high-end scotches like Ardbeg and Glenlivet. Uh, Shiva's Regal as well. So I'll get into some more details about some of the cool Christmas uh, holiday themed stuff that they have later. But we do appreciate their continued support of this podcast. Please support them uh, for us if you want uh, more more booze talk to, to get you through the season and just more booze in general because this is tough. Is the fan base unhinged? Am I unhinged? What's happening right now? The answer to both of those questions, I feel like, is yes and definitely. <laughs> All right, but uh, let me repivot the question. Who's more unhinged, the fan base in general or me? You. Okay. <laughs> so it's the last podcast. I'm going to throw it out there, and then we're going to step back. We're going to digest this all. Luke Altmaier officially decommitted. We had kind of prepared you guys for that. We had talked about it on the last podcast while it was essentially happening. So there's not a whole lot to dive into there, but if you guys do want to talk about it anymore, there's your platform. LaDamian Webb opted out. That's FSU's running back. He was a JUCO transfer this year. Kind of a fan favorite. He opted out. The cryptic message made it seem like he was talking about FSU in the past tense. Mike Norvell clarifies that today. 
Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Jaden Lars would be announced that he is transferring. As he's going to be a graduate transfer, so he's basically opting out. He's done for the season. And then the big news, FSU rescheduled games. Uh, well, we rescheduled one game against Duke for December 12th and then added another game to the schedule against Wake Forest the following weekend. That's December 19th. So there's two more games of football. But, Chris, will they have enough players to play December 12th? I think that's the question. And Mike Norvell expects them to, but they're going to be hanging out in the 50s, I think, with total amount of players available. When you heard, Josh, two more games this season, were you happy, sad, shocked, surprised, expected? What was emotion? Skeptical. Um, yeah. I'm still kind of skeptical that they'll actually play these two games. We'll see. Uh, I'm I'm excited that they get you know their reps in. It's better than just having practice. Um, so that's important. Hopefully the games get played. I, I, I was glad to see that, you know, they're trying to. That's one thing that when Mike Norvell spoke today and going through and listening to that audio and seeing the quotes, he said, we're a young team. We need every rep we can get. I, I totally believe that's where he's coming from. He does want these games. He wants these reps. He knows how important it is to, to the guys remaining on the roster. The issue is there's not a whole lot of guys remaining on the roster. Chris, help me work some of the math here. Like what we think 50s or so is where they're going to be floating. Where are they now in practice and how are they practicing? Well, they were at 44 with contact tracing and such before the postponed Virginia game. So presuming that number is still holding pretty steady right now because it would based on the guidelines protocols that the ACC, FSU, and the CDC use. So they have, you know, basically – too, too deep on each side of the ball, roughly available players. I did ask Norville today after doing any two-way stuff in practice because he had mentioned on his Monday show that they considered that if they were to play this coming weekend. He said they are not since they're treating this as a bye week, so they're not having to worry about that. Amari Gaynor was asked, I believe, by our Chaffel Vorchant, uh, you know, is practice – like, are you able to do essentially a normal practice because of being shorthanded? And he said, yeah, that they basically stick to the schedule. It's just a lot of good on good. So there's not as much depth. There's not as many guys who need reps. It's more guys are getting more reps. So that's where they are right now. Um, you know, looking forward to the Duke game here in, what, nine more days, ten more days. They should have a healthy amount of those guys back who are currently in quarantine – so that number, you know, NC State game, we were talking about, what, 59 available? You know, you add in Toe Philly and Akeem Dent, one or two others who were unavailable in that game because of whatever, you know, whether they were not healthy or banged up or coming off injury. Renardo Green, Travis, uh, not Travis Stray, Renardo Green and uh, Akeem Dent, mm-hmm. the two DBs. So about 62, we've had three to four more departures from the roster. It's probably fair to estimate they'll have a few more. So you're talking probably 55, 59 again. It's the ballpark we're working with right now of what players expected available for Duke would be. And I'm one thing to add to that, Chris, an element is I'm not totally clear on the, so I shouldn't be talking about it informatively, uh, but the CDC is looking at changing some of its guidelines, suggested guidelines for quarantining that would impact FSU. That's something that I had heard last week when the initial contact tracing uh, quarantine measures were being put in because that's 14 days for players automatically if you're staff if you're being put in with the contact tracing um so that'll change i think do we know the days though of how how that changes think, is it 10 i think it's it's going from 14 to 10 okay and it's going to seven with a negative test i believe 
So that would be impactful because that will allow you to get guys who are just part of the contact tracing if they don't end up testing positive. Because it wasn't a ton of guys testing positive, from my understanding. It was more the contact tracing with several positive tests that took out uh, probably a dozen or so players. So that'll be significant because you get them back in practice for a full week. Hey, Josh, did you notice FSU's, uh, when they put out the pictures of practice yesterday, how close up all the photos were? I don't think they wanted to show how few players were actually practicing. Yeah, it you know, it it looked like um, they were trying to get some excitement going on social media, but I don't know if it really came off that way. No, can't blame them for trying. It's, it's, no, I'm not it's blaming a them. Tough, tough, weird year. We're all going to remember this year as much as we want to forget it, which is what Marcus Square Liquors is for. Uh, so let's go into the Ladamian Webb deal. I think that was something that when it happened yesterday, there was confusion followed by some franticness in the fan base. And that franticness, in my mind, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, came because, one, people liked what he did this year. Not a star necessarily, but a bright spot for sure. And someone who was the first part wave of the Mike Norvell era of commitment. So that would have been if he does leave the team. We don't think he's going to. Mike Norvell expects him back in January after opting out. If he did somehow decide to leave, the concern is that that's a very short period of time he's with Florida State and people were freaked out that that was implying that there was something very wrong with the program. Am I off base on that? No, I think those are both very correct statements, but I think the lesson of yesterday with Webb is that it would benefit student-athletes to lean on people that do PR for a living, that do statements for a living before issuing a statement because the whole reason the concern came about for many people and the reason we were asking for clarification from him, from FSU, so on and so forth was because it was very open-ended and it sort of read as somebody who was sort of thanking a program and departing it. Past tense. He was talking about FSU in past tense. Yeah, it was unclear. So ask for help with the statement, put out a more sharp statement. That's more, you know, succinct and to the point, not open-ended and that all would have been avoided. I go back to to something I read on Twitter yesterday from Cole Kublick, and he said, it's December. Can we stop using opt-out now? <laughs> and I guess it's, I guess you can look at the Damian Webb situation one of two ways. He opted out for the safety of him and his family, and he's doing what's best for, for, for that. And, you know, he may or may not return next year. Or you can look at it as like, he left the team with two games to go. And I, I guess it just depends how you look at it. He's not the only player who has left the team, you know, when the season kind no, of No, but he's under. significant because he's a Mike Norvell recruit. Right. Um, the others, we all, not not saying us on the podcast, I mean, FSU fan base, everybody in the media kind of called that the purge. Oh, these players need to be gone. They need to be removed from the roster because the the new culture needs to come in and wipe these guys out. But then you kind of see that with the Damian Webb. So it just depends how you view it. If you view it as an opt-out or you view it as him leaving the program with two games to go. We have at least 18 players who have left the program permanently since Mike Norvell took over. Today's December 2nd. He took over December 7th of last year. So in less than a full year, there's been 18 players, uh, 19 if you count Corey Durden. That's another example of of an opt-out with a murky, unclear uh, uh, press release or whatever. And that wasn't a press release, but a tweet release. Uh, I don't believe he's going to come back. Did he delete it yet? (laughs) 
The only reason we call it Murky, truthfully, is because he remains on the, on the roster. roster. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Thank you. You're Josh, welcome. Ca- Josh caught me off guard on that. Uh, that was funny, though, Joshua. Uh, so, so about 19 guys. There's been a lot of turnover. Josh is correct. We've talked about this being the quote-unquote purge, the overhaul. It's needed. Uh, but now you're starting to lose. Like after the Marvin Wilson, Tamora, and Terry, James Blackman wave, after that, now you're talking about Asante Samuel, someone who is an unquestioned leader, probably the most consistent player on the roster. He opts out. Mike Norvell to go pro. Mike Norvell talked about that. Thanks, Asante Samuel. Uh, very classy. Uh, both regards, Asante. Think thinking FSU, vice versa. Uh, that was certainly mutually understood. He wants to start focusing on his pro career. I believe he had a shoulder deal that he kind of wanted to to nurse and take care of and make sure he's good to go. Uh, same thing with Jaden Lars would be someone who Mike Norvell has referenced throughout the season as kind of doing things the right way. It didn't work out for him coming off the knee injury this year. He was playing a new position at safety, uh, but he's not the only guy at safety to struggle this year. The scheme just hasn't really worked for, for anyone that FSU's tried to put in that buck role. They moved him to linebacker. Uh, this was something that, that Norvell said was going to be happening eventually based on the, the year ending with the games being postponed the last two weeks and the schedule changing that kind of moved up the timeline for Lars would be. Uh, I say all that because these are guys who maybe you would have liked to get back or you'd like to still be within the program to an extent. Uh, obviously different for Asante and Jaden as, as it is for Damien Webb. Uh, so there is a little bit more the last couple of days, I think, uh, some urgency from the fan base because they're trying to grasp, is there something going on? To that, I would say the season sucks. This whole year, this whole calendar year sucks for all of us. This has not been a fantastic year for FSU football. It's multiple years of, of it being tough. Uh, but as it applies to, to this season specifically, it's a new coaching staff. Uh, there's been obviously examples of distrust from retained players from the team that weren't part of the Mike Norvell signing class that only get exacerbated with not having the full off season, not really getting to know the new coaches. Then you start off the year with uh, very strict measures at quarantine or not quarantine, excuse me, protocol, uh, and all that leads to then uh, you have losses early in the year. Players start jumping ship. Uh, and it's not fun to play football on a losing team. Nonetheless, one, when you're in a very strict protocol, you don't know who your opponent's going to be for a few weeks at a time. They're only going to play two games in the last month. Uh, you're not living a normal life in terms of like, this isn't normal football life. You're not able to go out. If you are part of the team right now, you're not able to go out and and party and have fun or or hang out with non-football players uh, your life's just kind of boring right now so i don't blame players for exiting the program or for saying you know this is kind of enough for me right now i gotta go take care of some other things gotta take care of myself that's just the reality of it i don't know if there necessarily means there's something uh, if everything's exploding behind the scenes uh, there's certainly guys who are going to leave the program for good in the next couple of weeks here that's going to continue but I just would caution I would caution fans that not every single personnel move or change is a uh, is an indication that things are falling apart. There's reason for concern, yes, but I think we just need to kind of take a step back and and evaluate it all of what's happened this this full calendar year. Well, the favorite activity of this fan base, and truthfully some of the media, and we can lump ourselves in this if we want to, is hitting the panic button with this program. That's the point we've reached. I'm done hitting the panic button. I spoke on a podcast a couple, uh, maybe two, three weeks ago now, 
about recruiting and the current status of the team and that there was always going to be output guys departing. And the reasons for that are a variety of things. Some guys they don't want in this program, some guys who don't want to be in this program because of who's running it and how it's being run. Some guys who are leaving for NFL reasons, some guys who are leaving for pastures that they hope are greener, which in some cases makes sense. You know, I think with Lars would be, it makes sense. He's graduated. He did his part of the job here. It's not working out for him on the field. Maybe going somewhere else will give him a spring in his step and help him be a better football player than he's been at FSU the last two years. I'm sure it's been a, a frustrating, infuriating experience for him. So I get a guy like that departing. You know, I think patience is just a key in this. You know, they're going to lose more guys. It's just a natural order. Attrition is a natural thing in a program, a program in a full-blown transition who's doing poor on the field during a miserable year with so many situations that you outlined soon. It's just natural that guys are going to depart. The key is what are they going to bring in? That That's what matters. Once December 19th comes and goes and FSU finishes playing Wake Forest and we put a bow on this season, put it in the bag and throw it in the river and hopefully never see it again. The next key is what's next for FSU. What are they going to do with that early signing period that will be ending just before that game? What are they going to do with February? What are they going to be doing with the transfer portal leading up to the summer months when they get ready for next season? Hopefully they have a legitimate spring as well as a legitimate preseason. That will be essential for this program to continue to try to work towards what they're trying to be. All those things matter. At the end of the day, what matters is for everything that's exiting this program, how is FSU going to replace them within this program? I'm not talking player for player. I'm talking rebuilding a roster to have valuable depth at all positions that are capable of contributing. That is the plain and simple point of where they're at. The attrition is what it is. I, people, you know, wrench their hands over would be to some degree. Most fans were tired of watching would be play. And Woodby was struggling. I mean, when we critiqued him for his play, he was most certainly struggling on the field. I don't know that Woodby, as a football player making plays on the football field, was going to bring value to FSU moving forward. So his departure doesn't really hurt him outside of losing a piece of depth. And that's not a personal attack. He's a great kid. I think very highly of him off the field. I'm talking solely as Jaden Lars would be buck safety or linebacker. Does he make FSU better? I don't think he does. So his departure really doesn't change the dynamic. Losing someone like Asante certainly does because he's arguably the best player on the football team. For me, it's who are you bringing in that can play that corner spot and live where Asante was? Who are you bringing in or who do you have that can play buck or linebacker and do it at a higher level? That's all that matters. Like all the minutia of why guys are leaving, it's really not that important at this current time because that's going to happen. It's going to be a revolving door. It has been a revolving door for almost 365 days. That's only going to get accelerated by a miserably crappy season as it's been with a bad team. And there's not buy-in. And we've, I, I think we've done a good job of never acting like there's been legitimate buy-in by a vast majority of guys on the team. There are some that have certainly bought in, but a vast majority of the overwhelming amount of the team, no, there hasn't been. And that's why you're going to see what is happening. I just think it's kind of natural order. The key for this not to become a 2021 problem from 2020 is how are you going to improve the roster short term and then have hopefully a, you know, off season preseason to prepare to be a better football team. I mean, I thought there were some signs of buy-in in the preseason camp. Like you saw some, because they were finally getting to work with the coaches consistently, but that all fell apart after Georgia tech. Uh, yeah, adversity, the, adversity is going to question buy-in. If, if yeah. you can't live through adversity, you weren't ever actually bought in. Fair, fair. And, 
to kind of explain that point and, and dive into it a little bit more. Again, three coaches in four seasons. Majority of this team did not commit to the current coach. Uh, a good chunk of the the guys in the high end of the roster, the ones who were supposed to be the impact players, uh, Tamari and Terry, Marvin Wilson, James Blackman, Josh McCando. Uh, going down the list here of just guys who were committed before. They weren't even committed to the last coach. So this was a fragile group. It's always been a fragile group. Mark Norvell has tried to change that. He hasn't been successful in doing so overall thus far. The circumstances are something else. They're, it's been a hellacious year for him in trying to install culture and establish all the, the ethos of his program that, that he wants, the standard, as he likes to call it. It's been almost impossible. We're going to see more attrition. There hasn't been anything that's been really surprising yet. Uh, LaDamian Webb opting out, I think, is the, the first thing that kind of was like, oh, that was something that was unexpected for us the last couple of weeks. Uh, so so this is going to continue to happen. It's going to probably look worse before it gets better. Josh, have we hit rock bottom? <laughs> sure. I think we're just dragging along the bottom for, for right now. That's what I think, too. I think we've been kind of floating uh, at the bottom of the, of the pool, the, the rock bottom part of it. Uh, Chris, you mentioned some of the recruiting aspects and, and having to turn this bad boy around uh, other recruiting trail. Bud Elliott did clarify FSU has 26 scholarships to use this year. We've been operating 25. We weren't sure about that counter. He says that counter from last year does apply to uh, to this year. So 26, I think they're going to burn through all 26 to, to change this over. Uh, do you guys have any recruiting stuff today to get into? I know there's been a ton of nuggets and news on Knowles 24-7. We're just kind of scratching the surface, I feel like, with the recruiting stuff, though. Well, we're two weeks from the early signing period, officially, today. So that that's an important benchmark. I think the effort you see over the next two weeks is who's signing early, who do we have a shot at, and do we want them to be part of this program in the sense of offering, pursuing, trying to close a deal versus just evaluating and building a relationship. I'll pass the baton to Josh at this point. Um, there's a little bit of news. One prospect to keep an eye on this week immediately is top 247 defensive end George Wilson. He's a former South Carolina decommitment. Well, he's a former South Carolina commitment who decommitted about a week ago. He's, he's six foot five, two current decommitment, pounds. right? Is he yeah, a current decommitment? Like okay. <laughs> I don't say it. But he's he's the number 12 week side defensive end in the 24-7 sports rankings. And um, I've been told that a decision could come any in the window between like today and maybe early next week. Um, Auburn and Florida State are the perceived teams teams in the running here. Um, UNC was a major factor in his decision when he committed to South Carolina, but I'm told that UNC is not able to take him or not willing to take him right now, so they're not in the picture. Comes it it looks like it's Auburn and FSU, but this is the time of year where another team can slip in at the last minute. And from what I'm told, Wilson would certainly entertain um, any new teams coming in. So he's a name to watch over the next few days. Uh, Chris, is there anybody else that we're, that we're failing to mention here? Well, there's a handful of Juco types that we're keeping tabs on. Uh, you know, some of them offered a guy like Byron Young, for example, Isaiah Eton, uh, defensive tackle is another example, just kind of keeping tabs on them, you know, Will they decide early? In both of those cases, we believe they will. You know, they're both interested in FSU still. Young, it's FSU, Auburn, Tennessee, among others. 
the D tackle was not as clear with a list, but he did tell me yesterday FSU was still in the picture for him. I have heard rumblings of Alabama getting involved there, which would be concerning in the sense of everybody else taking a step back. Um, that's the main stuff. I mean, there, there's normal names we've talked about a lot. We did a good bit of house cleaning last week about uh, guy like, a guy like Katravian Hargrove. Will he sign early? He's not intending to versus other guys. Will they sign early? I think from a commitment standpoint on our, our list on 247, on Knowles 247 for FSU commitments, it's pretty well laid out at this point of early signings, early enrollees as things stand right now. And the target list as far as uh, top targets, high choices, interested types, those are all guys that we believe FSU or the prospect have a bit of interest in one another or mutual interest. So I think it's pretty well laid out. It's always a good thing. We try to update that in real time, especially a time of year like right now where things are kind of constantly changing. I think it'll be worthwhile to do a very recruiting specific podcast in the next week or so before the early signing period. Yeah, we period. definitely will. Yeah. Oh, one, one other prospect to keep an eye out this weekend is Kimo McAnoli. Uh, we've been hearing rumors of a potential unofficial visit or trip to LSU's campus. I'm not saying that it's going to happen this weekend, but it's something that we're going to keep an eye out on. Fun times, fun times. And we'll we'll reestablish the board and stuff if that happens and what the offensive line board would look like if uh, if he did end up flipping to LSU. I don't like I don't love the idea of him visiting LSU that late in the process if it happens. No, and LSU is a little desperate to fill some could be desperate to fill some spots, I should say. Um, we'll, if we'll things monitor. keep trending the way they are for them. But we'll monitor. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's all gonna come down to this early December signing day. Josh is just stretching, trying to get limber, trying to get prepared for post-signing day transfer portal madness because that's where he's going to have to live. And I think that's where this team is going to have to live. Josh likes living there too. He enjoys the the newness of that and some of the chaos with it too. And you also well, kind right, of deal with the I like when men. they're actually recruiting the guys because right yeah. now it's really hard to cover the portal because they're reaching out and establishing contact with so many guys mm-hmm. as soon as they hit the portal. But we've, we've – we've seen this routine for the last year now we know that if a guy hits the portal this fsu staff meaning like the back office staff is gonna reach out they're gonna establish contact they're gonna kind of just figure out why is he leaving how much eligibility he's have what's he looking for and that way if the staff does decide to make a move on him they kind of have a little background info ready to go um i anticipate that the staff to be patient they know that there's going to be more and more names hitting the portal. The one good thing that FSU has to sell is, is playing time and the ability to come in and play early. Um, you want to get the right guy. You don't want to just sign a couple, the first couple uh, names to hit the portal because then when the big time players do and you're courting them, they look and they say, well, you already took a player at my position from, you know, so-and-so who has two more years of eligibility. So I think FSU just has to be patient. And then they got to pounce when the time is right. I was thinking back to the portal last year. Love Taylor and Corbin. Those both moved really fast. Mm-hmm. Dotson moved fairly fast, if I recall correctly. Um, Jordan Wilson was one that they kind of felt out, and then it moved pretty quick. The two kids from Mississippi State, Jones and Lovett, those Very moved quickly. really fast. Those were previous relationships. Mm-hmm. I think this year is a little different because obviously there might be some cases where there's previous relationships, say kid leaving Auburn or was recruited by Auburn that Kenny or Marcus Woodson know Kenny Dillingham or Marcus Woodson or kid leaving Memphis that obviously a good bit of this staff would know so on and so forth. I think we could see some quickness with those types or a kid who's just a no doubter 
But those mm-hmm. are going to be tough gets for FSU. Those no doubters, because you know if you're a no doubter, Alabama wants you as an upgrade, or Georgia wants you as an upgrade. So it puts FSU at a disadvantage. But I think in general, some of these other kids who are productive college football players from different levels potentially, they're going to really make sure if we're taking them, that's who we should take. I, I think their goal more than anything with the portal this year is going to be to take guys who truly bring value to the roster, not just taking a number on the roster. I think the FCS level is going to be a well that FSU does explore pretty frequently. We already saw with the Dartmouth wide receiver and offering him. Uh, help me out with the name, Josh. Drew uh, Estrada. Estrada. Drew Estrada. Estrada. Um, I heard this the other day. I was talking to an FCS coach. I won't say the program, but at a uh, a fairly like established FCS program, one that makes the playoffs fairly fr- frequently, they only are taking five scholarship players in their recruiting class this year because of financial restrictions due from the pandemic. I don't know if that's going to be encompassed like every every FCS program, probably not feeling it quite the same, different degrees here. Uh, but that's going to cause an interesting ripple effect in terms of retaining FCS players for you know, FCS teams that didn't have seasons, uh, whether they just are okay letting guys move on, not keeping them on scholarship, or even the value that FSU can find in walk-ons, preferred walk-ons this year. Because there may not be as many scholarships to go around to that tier of, of player be interesting. It's going to be a, a very, very different recruiting calendar in, in next few months for all of us trying to cover this. I'm looking forward to it, though. Fun exercise, say August of next year, take the FSU roster the day that Mike Norvell was hired, <laughs> compare the FSU roster to that day. I think it's going to be, what, 66% different at least? Two out of every three players will be guys that were not here before December last year. Uh, first, and when you were starting that, and I kind of thought where you were going, Chris, I was thinking between 40 and 50%, but you say 66%. And, and as I kind of go down the roster in my mind, yeah, that, that doesn't seem far-fetched. Definitely, I mean, definitely more than half the roster will be different. I think that's... that's quarterback's going to be 75%. Running back is 100% pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... It, it adds up quick. I think wide receivers going to look drastically different next year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some attrition at that position, and and they want more young players and veterans to kind of overhaul that group. Yep, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a really interesting offseason. I'm trying to mentally get ready for it. So in the meantime, guys, don't freak out, all right? I'm nice and calm right now. This helped me. I've calmed down. Is everyone else good? You good, Chris? I'm great. You good, Josh? I'm good. All right. Well, let's – uh. Let's take a quick commercial break. Thanks for joining me, fellas. Chris, thanks for doing your second podcast in about four hours. I know you love that. This is your dream. Uh, and on the, on the way back, on the other side, we're going to have Coach Brian Allen, Coach B.A., in to uh, lend some insight on FSU's latest commit, a possible uh, diamond in the rough. So stick with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to On the Bench. As promised, I have Coach Brian Allen. He is the head coach at Lake City Columbia, a part of the phenomenal FSU linebacker trio back in the late 90s of, of Tommy Polly and, and Bradley Jennings Monster. So those three guys were tearing things up. And, and now he coaches FSU's most recent commitment, uh, Shaheem Brown. Coach Allen, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's start off, man. Uh, what was the feeling that you had as an FSU alum and, and, and someone uh, who – who obviously wants the best for Shaheem Brown when, when he got the offer from FSU, I guess what's going on in your mind when that happened? I mean, just complete elation. You know, I, I reached out to those guys uh, a couple Sundays ago and just, you know, I, I, when I, when I spoke with him told, you know, Ron was one, I ended up talking to coach rebel is ready, but uh, as well. But um, the biggest thing I said to him is this kid could play with us back when we played. And that was the thing I said to, to Ron. I'm like, you know, I don't I don't care about this flying under the radar or, or whatever's going on as to why his recruitment isn't like big, because it should be. But I'm like, this this guy could have played beside us. And you know, everybody's everybody's looking at him as a linebacker. The kid is a is a is a cornerback or, or a safety. But when you look at the fact that he can jump in at middle linebacker or outside linebacker when 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 he's a corner or a safety you know, just tells you about his mentality. But I was, I was completely, completely happy just to, to hear the offer and then uh, for him to commit. Now, when you say that he's someone who could have played with you know, on your team, and those were some great teams, obviously, in, in the late 90s, uh, I guess what about Shaheem's game or you mentioned his mentality? Like, like what about him makes you confident he's someone that could hang, you know, at, at the highest level of, of football? Well, I, I can remember uh, when Coach uh, Gladden, Jim Gladden recruited me. One of the things he said was, son, I want dogs. I want guys that are going to hunt. They are relentless, and, and they continue to hunt all night long and in practice and, and, and when they play the game. And that's exactly what I told Ron and, and Coach Norvell was that this kid is a dog, you know, and that was, that was what, that's what we were um, during, that, during that run that we had. Um, in, in the 90s, you know, speaking specifically 96 to 2000 when, when of those five years that I was there and our whole class redshirted, but Lavernius Coles, we played in, in, in four national championships in, in those five years in that, in that recruiting class that I was in. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a major compliment to a kid. You know, when I, when I say he could have played with us, he had that mentality that, that, you know, we didn't, we didn't bring, you know, I can look back in the, the Marvin Jones and the Derek Brooks and the Renard Wilson um, before us, that that was their type of mentality. So when I call on a kid and I, I say that, you know, they, 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 this kid's a dog. And that's what, you know, I, my mindset is that he could, they could have played with us or he could have played with us. And I know you're not one to BS, you know, other coaches, especially someone like, like, like Ron, uh, you're going to, you're going to shoot straight. So when you say that you know, it's a genuine, 
uh, dynamic that you you do believe that Shaheem is a dog. I guess what what's the the most dog thing that he's done on the field like, that impressed you the most uh, through your time you know, working with him and coaching Shaheem? Well, well, I can say just this year we're losing to Lee. He's already returned one kickoff uh, to the house for about eighty five or, or ninety. <laughs> on his second one, it seems like he pulls his hamstring about the forty yard line. And the next two strides, he gets it back together and, and finish with, finishes with another 75-yard kickoff return with a hamstring that's pulled. Doesn't come out, doesn't miss a, doesn't miss a rep. And again, like I say, people are, are, are touting him as a linebacker. The kid isn't a linebacker. He is a corner, and we haven't even been able to, but due to injuries, allow the kid to play his natural position. From the time he's been a sophomore, a junior, we've put him on the best of whoever we were playing um, at that age, you know, when I was when I was talking about this kid early on, I say I think he think he has more confidence than, than Dion does uh, <laughs> when he played because that's his mentality. Like he doesn't care who he wants to cover, he wants to whatever um, it is. He wants to he he's gonna tell you about it. Like I said, I used to I used to talk about him like this kid think he he's better than Dion, but that's just his mentality. He has he has no issue at all when it comes to the confidence level and. Again, you, for you to be a great player, you have you have to you have to be that way. And for anyone at home that's doubting you know, whether Shaheem could play cornerback or, or safety, uh, go ahead and watch his junior highlights. Like he has the the ability to to mirror downfield. It's really impressive, and and that length and, and the deep speed, it's all there. Uh, but Coach Allen, like you mentioned, the versatility, like he's playing like a linebacker safety role for you guys this year. You mentioned the special teams work. I know Coach Norvell had to love love watching this guy block four or five kicks this year as well. Uh, you've had some special players come through, obviously a ton of special players come through Lake City, Columbia, even in the time you've been coaching there. Uh, is Have you had one that's quite as versatile as Shaheem is on, on defense? Well, not, 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 I don't, I don't think on defense and, and here's what's crazy. We don't, and I've just been a firm believer that, that, uh, I don't play guys both ways mm-hmm. and I haven't had to, uh, during my tenure here of, of having to do it. But this year with all the craziness of, of COVID and us not getting started and not having time to do it, I've had to be more versatile when it comes to being more open-minded to guys going, going, uh, both ways. And he's a kid that I can do that with. Like I said, he's, He's playing linebacker, outside and inside. He's coming off the edge uh, when he's blitzing. I also have him playing the outside Z or X at, at receiver um, that he had a humongous catch the other night in, in that win that we had. He, he's blocking PATs and field goals off the edge. He's taking punts off of, off of punter's toe. Like, the only other kid that I've had that has been as athletic um, and as versatile is the other one got, that got the offer uh, during the same week, and that was Marcus Peterson. So, you know, I'm, I'm telling the guys, I got two kids that I know can play at our level, and, and they're power five guys. One that is, has gotten recognized, and, and, and one hasn't. And when I have coaches that we play, and I, I, I can't remember this happening in, in, these, in, the, in the previous nine seasons, um, but I do this year, that we, we play with color. And their their coach is a seasoned coach. He's been there for a while. He finds me after the game and says, "Coach, where is number one? This kid is the best I've seen ever." And I, in my coaching tenure, he's the best player I've seen ever, Coach. Where is he at? I want to just tell him that. 
if you're okay with it. I'm like, absolutely. But that kid, that coach also had Nigel Rand. So, yep. um, you know, when you, when, when you have a coach that comp, you, you know, then that you're not the only one that's, that's seeing it. You're not blind uh, or showing favoritism to it being one of your kids that someone else sees the same thing. And, and uh, you know, that's one of the biggest compliments you can get as a kid to have a, to have a head coach wanting to find you after the game and, and, and compliment you as such. Do you have a theory as to why I think FSU and Ole Miss were the only power five offers listed for Shaheen? Like that seems surprising when you watch this film, but it doesn't seem to quite add up. Do you have any theories as to, to why maybe he didn't get quite the interest that a player of his caliber would, would be expected to get, especially at a school like Lake City where you guys are always churning out someone really special every couple of years? I have absolutely no clue. Yeah. And, and that's and, and Ron knows um when I call you. I'm calling you about a, a guy that can play, and mm-hmm. you know I don't I don't pick up the phone and, and call and say you need to watch this guy, you need to watch me. Now, when I do that, the kid can can flat out play, and you know they did, and I appreciated that because you know I've called before under different uh, under different coaches, and I didn't get called back, you know, for for a while, and, and that kid goes to Penn State, and another one's at Cincinnati. That, that I called on those guys and, and, and there wasn't a response of interest, you know, and again, me saying that this kid can play uh, on that level and, uh, you know, could, could have played when we were there. And, you know, that's to, to, to have them again, go right then, look at, look at his film and, you know, coach, coach Norvell and the uh, coordinator and the defensive backs coach looking and, and signing off and then pulling the trigger, like within a matter of, of uh, 24 hours, 48 hours, like that's, that's the type of, you know, response that, that's mm-hmm. ex- expected at least whenever you're, um, you've been at that level and the next level and you know talent when you see it and the kid, I'm not going to call you if he's a, if he's a knucklehead or, or he has issues that are away from the field that I don't think that he could handle the classroom structure and all the stuff too. I'm not going to call you. I'm, I'm going to call you about the whole package, not just, you know, the, the, the play side of it. And I know how important that is in this day and era. So and I was just extremely happy that, that um, it's worked out this way as to why the other guys haven't, uh, again, I'm clueless. And I called others about mm-hmm. it as well that I haven't heard back from, but um, you know, again, I, I know coaches has uh, seen a lot of talent and those guys can recognize talent when they see it. Whereas maybe some, some other places don't. Hey, real quick coach in Lake city. I mean, we got, See, I'm going down the list here. Renard Wilson, yourself, Timmy Jernigan, Laramie Tunsil, Trey Marshall. You got more D1 guys consistently coming out. Um, what is there something in the water in Lake City? Like it's it's been years and years of it. It's always a steady flow of of high end pro caliber players. Uh, what do you attribute that that to? Well, you know, a, a lot of it. You know, I I think you know I think you, and you left out Kendall uh, Pope and, oh, yeah. and and Jerome Carter, who both were known, but. <laughs> Um, and, and very, very, very uh, talented ones at that. But I don't know. And, and it's, you, you play, we play football here. We, 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 we grow up in a, in a uh, blue collar community. And, 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 you know, a lot of these young men that are from here, their parents were athletes, you know, and that were very good at times. But, but, you know, when you look back um, to the early years, you know, college was probably an option and, and understanding all the, 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 the things that, went along with going to college. Oh, these men had to work, but they're all there's there's their seeds, their offspring. You know, they they had an opportunity because of, you know, the the hard work their parents did and 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 people that are 
then helping them as far as understanding about, again, ACTs and SATs and, you know, having to have a certain GPA to be able to, to uh, go to college. And then when I, when I get a chance to come back, you know, totally bringing the whole package as far as, you know, that's my number one goal for, for wanting to come back home is to get kids in college. Um, that's, that's, I, I care about that more than I do wins. Again, I can't tell you how many wins we, we have since I've been here, but I can tell you immediately how many kids I've sent to college or um, since, since being here. And that's a big deal to me that I want to make sure the parents are educated on, you know, the things that you need to be making sure your guys are, I don't care about uh, any elective. I care, I care about the big four math, science, English, and social studies. And that's what you have to care about because that's where that core is going to come from. So I think just the educational process that parents under, they understand it better that the talent has been here for, for forever. Mm-hmm. Now they're understanding that we put this scholastic part with it. Now we're able to get a lot of kids going to school. And, and again, I run it just like a college or, or, or an NFL program. We're going to, we're going to work 11 out of the 12 months of the year. We're doing something. Uh, we're lifting from January to, to, to April and spring practice. And we're going to have our summer workouts throughout. We're going to do mat drills just like we did at Florida state <laughs> on, on, on Wednesdays. And so the kids are college ready. They're going to, they're going to be in a, 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 a scheme. That's a college defensive scheme. They're going to be in a scheme. That's a, college offensive scheme and the language is going to be the same as it's going to be. Some of the words may be different, but the language is the understanding of the scheme is going to be the same as colleges. So our kids are able to go into college and and play and have success because they understand it. They're that far ahead of some, some places. So, you know, I I think all of that combined, you know, there's sometimes I get kids that are just, again, I have no clue why someone didn't offer him or why it wasn't a bigger offer, but, you know, if these kids understand if you you write the story and that's what I always tell them. And I'm going to read you, you. You write the story based off of what you do as a player in the classroom with your behavior. And I read it to the colleges. So, you know, I'm not going to lie for you. I'm going to read your story, whatever you've written over these four years of being here. And, uh, you know, I try to be honest. And I think coaches appreciate that. And they they come back when we have another one that they like. I remember I went down. To, to Lake City a few years ago and, and talked to you for a story I did on, on Timmy Jernigan. And I, I'd asked you at the time, is Lake City more demographically skewed towards FSU fans as a city or more towards Florida fans? And you said Florida, just given it's, it's closer to Gainesville. Does it ever amaze you that you got all these guys go though going to Florida State? The the pipeline from, from Lake City, Columbia to Tallahassee has been, been really productive for FSU. Does that surprise you at all ever? It, it absolutely it absolutely surprises me, and you know um, I have uncles that are Florida fans, and hell, I played at Florida State, so you know it's just it's I don't know what it is here about UF, but um, again, I guess being being in in your backyard here, going a few minutes away, I'm, I'm not sure, but it's definitely been. I, I think we may have had three or I don't know because I can't, I don't even want to say that number because it, it goes back to the to the 60s um for for other guys that went to uf but mm. i know we have we're, we're getting somewhere close to 12 or 13 that have gone to florida state um and and the crazy part is when you name um you know the ones that went from the 90s um to where we are now all of them got drafted so like the crazy part was you 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 go to florida state and you get drafted like the, our guys that went to some of the other to the other school, you know, didn't. So, you know, that's that's the big thing. But I don't, you know, I don't push our school 
my school on, on my kids. I'm definitely going to call when I have a guy that's good enough to play there, but I don't push him. I don't, I don't push him. You know, my fingers are always crossed that they will go, but I don't push him. Just like Christian Jones when I was at Lake Howell, I didn't push Christian to, uh, to go to Florida State. But again, when he, when he chose him <laughs> that day at school, I'm running around with my Seminole helmet on. So, <laughs> um, I'm I'm ex- I'm always excited when I know we can get one of our guys there. And here's another crazy thing: every national championship that we won, we've had a kid from Columbia on the team on on scholarship. So wow, yeah. I, that. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so you know, it's pretty crazy. Renard ninety three, mm-hmm. E ninety nine, and Timmy and thirteen. So um, yeah. it's uh, I like having them there. That means we're we're getting back somewhere where where we may be uh, winning another one. Yeah, I was going to say that the fan reaction that we had uh, on the message board was fun to see that everyone signed up. They're like, just give us a Lake city kid. We'll take it. Like that'll start building that way. Cause you know what you're getting typically <laughs> to school. Uh, you guys are cut from a certain cloth and it's been consistently really good to FSU. So yeah, they were, they were happy uh, about it for sure. And I'll leave it at this. This will be the last question I have for you, coach. Who's the, like the next big thing, you know, the next big player to come out of Lake city that FSU fans, there's people, you know, in the state who listen to this podcast in general uh, should keep an eye out for. Well, Marcus Peterson, you know, mm-hmm. and fingers crossed that uh, <laughs> he could he can uh, get everything he needs done academically, and and he 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 likes Florida State, you know. I, that, that's uh, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping that between now and then, and and all those things and stars and moons all line up together, and he wants to go where his teammate went would would be nice. But he is definitely the next. He's the best. Uh, athlete I've ever coached. Wow. And wow. He, he'll, he'll go, he'll go on the basketball court when football season is over with and, and he'll be a, a 20 and 10 guy a night or, you know, 15 and 10 guy. Uh, he, he, he's, he's equally as talented on the basketball court as he is on the, on the football field. But this kid is catching touchdowns. He's punting for a 40 yard average. He's uh quarterback when I need him to be. Uh, this kid is again, the most athletic I've, I've ever coached. All right, Lake City Pipeline to Tallahassee. Let's keep it flowing. I like it. Let's get it going. All right, (laughs) Coach Allen, thanks so much for joining us on the bench. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. I know our listeners are going to appreciate it as well. All right, thank you guys. The Roll Tigers.